is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 12.80 The Zone. It's time to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's get out of the zone phone. He works on the Grizzlies broadcast. We welcome him back to the big show. He is Rob Fisher. What's going on, Rob? How much, fellas? How you doing? Hey, we're doing great. Um, playoff time in this town, as we talk to you about playoff time in Memphis. Playoff time in Salt Lake City is pretty fun, so there's a good vibe out there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, looks great, and, you know, the crowds looked great. And I, I know we had, a, you know, a couple of bad apples, but, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, it doesn't reflect, you know, Salt Lake City or the, the fans of the Utah Jazz. And um, I, I know the, the players enjoyed playing in that atmosphere, and I know they enjoyed playing back here. So uh, looking forward to tonight and hopefully uh, sending it back to Memphis for one more. Is that is that is that really the attitude back there, or did those bad apples, as you call it, did did uh, did all jazz fans get get lumped in with that? Nah, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think especially because you know Ja was quick to even point that out that you know there were a lot of great fans, and T. Morant went on the radio here in Memphis and. And he talked about it. He's like, hey, there were a lot of great people that were sitting by us, you know, and most of them were. And we were just trash-talking each other and buying each other drinks and cheering each other. And he said there were just a couple of uh, bad seeds. So, yeah, I, I think people are, you know, I, I don't think anybody looks at it and, and thought it was the whole Salt Lake City or the whole Utah Jazz fans as a whole. I, I think if they did, they're, you know, they're they're fooling themselves and, you know, but I think reasonable people know that you can have that anywhere, you know, and and before you start badmouthing fans, you better watch out because it could happen in your own building too. Because when you're talking about twelve, you know, to eighteen thousand people, depending on how many are being let in the building right now, there are gonna be a few bad apples in that group. I mean it's just uh, it's just the, the the law of averages. You're gonna have a couple of uh, bad people in there and you just hope that Something doesn't happen around them, and you know it's just unfortunate that it, it did happen there. But I, I, I think reasonable people look at it that way. Now, finding reasonable people people can can be difficult, but <laughs> I think that uh, that that's how it's looked at here. I, I don't think there's anything. You know, it's playoff time. We're trying to find reasons why to hate the Utah Jazz. So if it's the three fans that bother us that much, that not like the Utah Jazz, well, so be it. Maybe that's why we don't like them this time of year. So, Rob, I want to I want to give you my take on what I expect to happen tonight. And somebody who's familiar with the Grizzlies, uh, I want you to uh, to uh, add there to or disagree or or however you react. But I do up front, I do expect the Jazz to win tonight. Uh, they had one heck of a year, and I think at, at the moment they're the better team. But well, this Memphis team, uh, they're they're the youngest team to make the playoffs in a long, long time. They're extraordinarily well coached, at least from my standpoint. And I've been really impressed with the amount of fight and energy that they bring to the table which, as you know, you don't always see in, in really young teams. So I guess tonight I do expect a Jazz victory, but I, I expect Memphis to, to put up one hell of a fight and it to be a great game. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I, I think uh, the Grizzlies will, you know, they'll, they'll do what they've done, and there's no reason to think they won't fight uh, because they've, they've done it every game. And if you think they won't fight because they're down 3-1, I mean, it's kind of how every game's gone. They've they've been down big and they have fought back and got themselves in position to to potentially win those games and then the Jazz would just close them off in, in the final few minutes and 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 you know just close the door on them and, and turn the water off and, and defend and knock down shots and just execute down the stretch and be clutch as they've been 
all season long, and they've done it in this series. So, yeah, you know, these, these games are weird. These, these uh, closeout games can be weird because when you're down three games to one, a lot of times you can see if one team jumps on the other, then, it, you know, it's, just, it, it's over, and the offseason starts early. But I don't know. I, I don't see that in this Grizzlies team. I, I, I see them fighting. I, I think they're, they're young enough to where they just don't know any better. So I, I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to lay down and, and let the Jazz have game five. I, I think they're going to give it everything they got, and, and, and they'll fight. And, you know, whether or not that's good enough remains to be seen. But, you know, I, I think they're still a confident group that, that they can win, that they can, they can go toe-to-toe with them. And if things go their way, they can come away with a victory and at least try one more day back in Memphis. You know, it, it's so cliche. It's one of the, you know, most used cliches in all of sports of one day at a time. But this Grizzlies team has really, truly gone by that mantra throughout these first two seasons under Taylor Jenkins. They truly do not get too high. They do not get too low. They take it one game at a time. And, um, you know, their, their only focus right now is tonight's game, I'm sure. So, yeah, I would expect a great effort from, from the Grizzlies tonight. And, you know, we, we've said it throughout this series, and we said it after game four after dropping both games at FedEx Forum. You know, the thing that I've enjoyed about this series and the thing I think I'll enjoy about tonight is if the Jazz are to win tonight, the Grizzlies are going to make them earn it. And, and I think the Grizzlies have made the Jazz earn all three victories so far this series, and to the Jazz credit, they've done it. Rob, from your vantage point, why are the Jazz winning this series thus far? No, they're the number one seed. They're better. <laughs> they're just they're a better team. Um, you know, I, I think you look at the Grizzlies, and you know, they're. I, I don't like to use the excuse of young team because it, whenever things don't go well, you talk about it as because it's a young team. It's just a very easy excuse to use. So, so I'm not using it with the Grizzlies, but. But the Grizzlies are learning. I mean, that, that, that's part of being a young team, is learning how to win, is learning how to produce in these sorts of situations. And, you know, I think the Jazz have been built, and I think the Jazz were built as a team that, that last year many expected what you're seeing from the Jazz this season. And it just didn't come together as well as I think everybody had hoped last year for Utah. Now this year it is. And it's a veteran team with all-star players and – and guys who, you know, when the game's on the line, they know what to do. They know how to get it done. Um, they, they don't flinch. They, they stay calm. I mean, what Mike Conley's done in this series, he's just such a calming influence when things go bad um, that he just keeps control. And what Donovan Mitchell's done and the shots he's made in big-time situations, you know, and it goes up and down the roster. It's not just the All-Stars. It's not just Conley and Mitchell and Gobert. It's, it's Bogdanovich hitting the big shot. It's, it's Royce O'Neal who, you know, maybe one of the unsung heroes of this series is, is this guy who it seems every shot that he hits is a three and every shot that he hits is a dagger and just a deflating one. If the Grizzlies are making a run or, um, you know, they cut it to two and then all of a sudden Royce O'Neal out of nowhere knocks down a three to make it five. I mean, they just – Taylor Jenkins said it the other night, and he's exactly right. The Jazz have just had an answer for everything. And they, they, they just – they're playing like a one seed. They're playing like a well-oiled machine, which they did throughout the regular season. So, 
it doesn't surprise me that the Jazz are up three games to one. It doesn't surprise me the way they did it. I mean, the bottom line is, I, I think, for the Grizzlies, right now the Jazz in these last three games have shot above their average on three-pointers made. Game one, they shot below their average in three-pointers made. they got to keep them below their average. Have to. Uh, to have a chance to win because the Grizzlies are not a three-point shooting team, so you've got to keep the Jazz below their average. And uh, Right now the Grizzlies haven't been able to do that in the last three. You mentioned Mike Conley. Uh, what was the vibe in that building like when he was introduced on, uh, I guess it would have been Friday? It was warm. <laughs> it was kind of, kind of warm. I mean, it was uh, it was a good reception for Mike, and it's it's been funny because I think everybody has pretty much said the same thing. Hate to root against him, you know, because we we do, you know, he's he's one of our guys, and he'll always be a Memphis Grizzly in our hearts. And uh, his number will go up in the rafters when his career's over. And um, you know, he he meant so much to this organization that. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll always have a special place uh, in Memphis. And so I, I think it's been difficult and, you know, fans have, have enjoyed seeing him fans have you know, death by Mike Conley is just a brutal thing to go through. And the Grizzlies have been going through it here in the last couple of weeks because of the way that he's played, he might be the MVP of the series. And, and it's been, it's been hard to see, but we've seen it before. Everything that he does, it's like, all right, we've seen this Mike Conley before. We know what this guy's capable of. And, and it's uh, and it hurts, but you know everybody. When this series is over, everybody's going to be happy for Mike, and everybody's going to wish Mike all the best. It's just uh, want to beat him now, but I don't. I don't think there's any ill will, and there never will be to Mike Conley at all. Rob, will you explain to our listeners uh, uh, the puzzle in their minds that is Dylan Brooks? I mean, he's he's fiery. He plays hard. He plays both ends of the floor. And he complains about every call. What? What? what what's the deal with him? <laughs> he is. He's passionate. Um, it, it's been an amazing roller coaster ride with Dylan Brooks because when you know he was drafted as a second round guy, came out, thought he should have been drafted higher, had a chip on his shoulder, and uh, he played like he had that chip on his shoulder and. You know, and, but then he, he played so erratic at times where he would uh, he would take bad shots. He'd make Hi, poor guys. decisions, and and you know people then got upset with Dylan Brooks, and then all of a sudden he goes on a tear where he scores twenty for uh, a month in a row, and and is playing great defense, and he gets a big contract, and we're thinking, wow, we just got to steal with the contract we got with Dylan Brooks, and then after he signs that contract last year. He went on the worst slump of his career, and everybody thought, oh, great, what are we doing? Now how are we going to get rid of Dylan Brooks? And then this year it just kind of all came together. I mean, this is a guy who had played erratic, had played out of control, and now this year it's almost organized chaos where the shot selection's a lot better, the discipline that he has. I think it finally clicked for Dylan Brooks that he's going to make his niche in this league as a defensive stopper. And everything that happens offensively is just bonus. And I think he's taken that to heart, and he's become that guy. And he's, he, what he's developed into is one of those great guys that you want to have on your team, a guy that everybody hates to play against, and you'd love to have him on your team, but you hate to play against him. Um, you know, and that everybody would love to have him, but everybody hates him when he's not on your team. And I think that's what's happened with Dylan Brooks. He's, he's turned into that guy. And in the last two months, you know, he's been so good – uh, both ways that, you know, you hope this is the Dylan Brooks that 
we can expect going forward in his career because the way that he's played the last month and a half, he's definitely a big part of what the Grizzlies' future is going to be. And and that's being a big time defensive player, a guy that could lock down the best players on the other team and a guy that's going to get in the other team's head. But but on the other end, a guy that can give you 25 points. So he uh, he's, he's developed and I think matured Maybe mature is the wrong word because you watch him play and you wouldn't say mature is, is the right word for it. But he's he's matured into the player, I think, that he's going to be the rest of his career. And it's been fun to watch the transformation. I mean, if, if there's anybody on this Grizzlies team, John Morant kind of had a name before the playoffs started, and he certainly solidified his name. But Dylan Brooks has become a name just through these playoffs, and I think he's earned it with the play. Back to uh, tonight's game specifically for a moment. I thought a, an interesting adjustment in the second half of game number four, uh, Rob, Jaron Jackson Jr. ended up playing the big, uh, which uh, does a couple of things. It can bring Rudy Gobert out of the paint. He's a more switchy player than Valanciunas, so allows him a little fle- flexibility on defense. And I thought it was, it was uh, effective. You expect to see maybe that a little bit more tonight? I don't know because when the Grizzlies have tried it, since Jaron's been back from the injury, it has not been effective. I mean, I, that it, it was the other night, but for the most part, it hasn't been. Um, just because Jaron gets in foul trouble when he's playing that position, when he's around the basket more, and he has has to be, he's forced to be more active, um, Jaron can get himself in a lot of foul trouble. So, And that's kind of been the case since he's been back from his injury. But it did work the other night. I, I think It'll be interesting to see tonight because now it's you know now it's do or die. Now it's any ideas that you have, you put them on the table. You know, does Brandon Clark get another shot tonight uh, to to maybe do something? I I don't know. Uh, if the guys on the bench aren't producing, did do you expand your bench players and go try a couple of different guys, or do you just shut them down entirely and play your starters just maximum minutes? I. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But I, I think one of the things that I've looked at in this series has been Rudy Gobert's done a great job to, to almost make Jonas Valanciunas silent. And when you look at the course of this season, Valanciunas has been anything but silent. And I think the thing for Grizzlies fans is when Valanciunas is out there, on most nights you have an advantage. In series like this against Rudy Gobert, you feel like you at least neutralize it. Well, it hasn't been neutralized the last three games. Valanciunas has been in foul trouble. We haven't seen him put up the monster numbers. So I I think for the Grizzlies, a a positive sign would be to get Jonas Valanciunas going tonight. And if he can get going and neutralize Rudy Gobert a little bit, like he did in game one, uh, then, you know, maybe the Grizzlies have a shot. But uh, the Jaron thing, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. I think the other night was an aberration more than anything. Well, Rob, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much for jumping on with us and enjoy the game tonight. I hope we get to talk again for game seven, fellas. <laughs> hey, we'd gladly do it, Rob. We, we appreciate you jumping on with us a few times. It's been great. Uh, you got it. Enjoy it tonight. Back at you, buddy. Uh, there you go. That's uh, our friend Rob Fisher from uh, uh, the Grizzlies broadcast does their pre F and post and some sideline work as well. So what are you expecting tonight, Jake? I well, mean, what I, I told him, I, I think Grizzlies will fight hard and I think the Jazz will win. Uh, I mean, from a standpoint of what the Grizzlies like to do is they like to cause turnovers and get out in transition. 
that's that's what they do. That's that's what they specialize in, right? And you, I think it was you, or maybe it was Tim. Somebody called John Moran a one-man fast break. Uh, that's kind of what he is, and that's when they are most effective. But check me if I'm wrong on this. But in that last game, how many turnovers did the Jazz have? It was fewer. Uh, let's see, eleven. Okay, so it's that's that's south of where they where they've it's averaged. It's not bad. Eleven's yeah. fine. So. So I, you know, if the Jazz take care of the ball tonight, they they should utilize their spacing, have Rudy down low, punish him down low if they uh, if they come off him, and if they don't, then uh, then move the ball until you hit the open man and let him shoot the ball. To take care of it though, up until that point, and then the Jazz are in good shape and hit the offensive boards if you can. Uh, the rebounds was a big deal. <clears throat> Um, in the last game, you could tell the Jazz made a particular emphasis on it that uh, the offensive rebounding had hurt them um, in the you know what uh, what would have been game number well certainly game number one but it hurt them in game number three as well. I think there and, were sixteen for the Grizz if I remember right. And uh, man, did they box out well in game four? That was that was a big key component to their success. And I keep bringing this up, but Jordan Clarkson himself had a couple of just textbook blockouts. Um, in that game. And so I, I think that continues to be key. Keep uh, uh, Memphis off the board same way you want to keep them, as you mentioned, out of transition yeah. because that's that's their game and that's what they want to do. Slow them down, put them in the half court, and uh, that that is how the Jazz – and feed them to Rudy. I mean, that's the idea. That's that's yep. what the, the Jazz defense is built on and yep. uh, is capable of being successful against the Grizzlies team. I asked Rob about the, the Jaron Jackson thing, and he's not very high on it, but – that that would be the most effective lineup, in my opinion, going up against Rudy Gobert. Because I agree with what he said there. Rudy has neutralized Valanciunas and made him a negative factor in the series, which well, isn't easy to still, do. He was six to ten from the floor. I'm not the, talking about numbers. I'm yeah. talking about the way they have to guard the Jazz yeah. because yeah. he can't switch. So he has to. They, they have to play the dropped big, and the Jazz are going to eat the drop big for lunch. They're just going to do it. So you have to either take him off the floor. Or suffer the consequences. Well, that's difficult because he's one of their best players. The Jazz have <laughs> faced the very same problem, uh, those series against the Rockets. Yeah. So, I mean, Jazz fans are probably pretty familiar with what it is to have a team completely exploit the way that you play. What if you – yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So you either have to take one of your best players off the floor or you have to concede – to the game plan that the Jazz are bringing to the table. Or you just understand that the Jazz are the better team. So roll over? <laughs> that that won't fit. happen. That won't All right, happen. guys, we're done. I would uh, I would uh, predict a fist fight before I would predict yeah, that. Nobody's, nobody's doing that. No. But they they have painted Memphis into a corner because I bet you Rob's pretty dialed in with the overall thought about playing Jaron Jackson at the big. It's probably something they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But they went to it in game four. And it disrupted at least a little bit. I shouldn't say even disrupted, but it gave but the Jazz something Val- to think but about. But if you don't have Valanciunas in there, you also now you're you're giving up on one of your on rebounding because he's a good rebounder, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you you rob Peter to pay Paul. You do. All right. Well, we'll see what they do. I I don't know what uh, I don't either. Says in mind, but 
apparently the Jaron Jackson at the big has not been a great lineup for them. So I, maybe we won't see that tonight. I thought we would. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the ball go into Rudy early. Unlike in the last game where they he, he touched the ball a couple times in the first half, scored one point. Well, when they drop the big, it makes it hard for yeah. Rudy to be effective offensively. Yeah. That we, We've known that, and that's how Valanciunas is playing. And then you see the Jazz hit 50% of their threes. Right. So they start guarding the three and not dropping the big, and Rudy will get some more opportunity. I thought his, his production in the second half was purely – I shouldn't say purely because I don't know that for a fact, but I thought it had a lot to do with Rudy. Not so much the way anybody was playing, but Rudy saying, I'm going to catch this we'll thing play with force. and I am yep. going to do what I want to do with the ball. I, I can't say enough how much I love that drop step on Valanciunas. If he could do that consistently, all of a sudden one of his biggest flaws is not so flawed anymore. Especially if you mix it with the power dunk. Or, or even yeah. that little hook we saw in Game Three, a la Marquis. <laughs> I don't know some something you know a, a variety of skills that makes him effective when the defense is is dropping the big, for yeah. example. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I love the aggressiveness. If you can just force the issue, if you know that you're going to go up and try to dunk this ball as hard as you can, and if you miss, he's going to have to foul you. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to miss. You're going to dunk in this guy's face yep. so hard that he is going to have to foul you. Yeah. In order for this not to be a, a, a made shot, I like the word you use there, aggressive. You know, if the Jazz come out and play aggressive tonight, then their their odds of winning go up higher and higher. You know, because it's usually if you're the aggressive team, usually the other team is having fouls called on it, uh, and and the Jazz can take command of this game early, and I think chip away at the strength of the Grizzlies, which is their 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 guts and their toughness. If you erode that early, now we saw the, the Grizzlies come back from that 22-point deficit, so they're capable of doing that. But, man, the Jazz could could take a little of their heart away if they, if they really get on it early. And the Jazz are capable of doing that. How many times during the regular season did we see that? And I don't think that that's necessarily just an anomaly of the regular season. It can happen in the postseason as well. We'll see if it does. 